You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. One of the things I've seen a lot lately is conversations around what is a healthy church? Are you a healthy pastor? How to get healthier as a pastor? These are very encouraging to me because these are conversations that need to be had. We need to figure out how we can last in ministry. This is a big part of why I'm focusing so much on leading healthy, creative teams. That's the specialty that I come from. That's the department that I've been in for all of my ministry career. And I know how to navigate that space. So I'm very thankful that others are having the conversation outside of the creative space as well. One of the things that always comes up, specifically in the creative world, but I see it other places too, is burnout. I have been thinking about and really crafting a strategy to communicate burnout with you on this podcast. I've mentioned it a couple times, actually somebody recently posted a question on YouTube asking me to share that burnout story. And as I've been lo- looking to solve this problem, I actually went back to some old content that I had created several years ago. In the process of listening through it, I realized I don't think that I'm gonna be able to accurately capture this like I could when I was in the moment. So a little context, I had a podcast years ago and I was in the process of really working through what it meant to be a leader, what it meant to be a creative leader. Burnout happened right around that time when I left my organization and then came back to the same organization, which you hear some details about in my burnout story in this episode. But there was a lot of stuff going on that this episode really captures and it captures it in the sense that I'm living in it. So I'm removed from it now. So I can look back on it with a different set of lenses, really. I have a perspective that I didn't in the moment. So I wanted to share in the moment because this, to me, really captures some of the challenges that I was wrestling through and that you may be wrestling through if you're dealing with burnout. So this week's episode is my burnout story. And it's just a story of what I went through and what led up to the, you know, the conditions that led up to me burning out. And then next week, we're going to talk about identifying burnout. I have some tools that really help me identify burnout. So those hopefully will be helpful for you. And then the last week is conquering burnout. The burnout conversation is not fruitful if we don't go to that point. So we're going there. We're going to go to what does it look like to conquer burnout? What are some of the things that you can do and implement in your own context? My goal here is for you to heal in place. That's the language that was given to me. You'll hear about it in the story. It was really powerful for me to recognize that you can, in fact, heal in place. So enjoy these episodes. I really hope that they are helpful to you and they're an encouragement. This week, I wanted to share my story about burnout with you. It really began as I moved from being a graphic designer into the role of communications manager. Essentially, that was overseeing our communications team. As I moved into this role, the organization as a whole was in the midst of a a pretty significant shift. And beyond just a reorg, we were really approaching ministry in a new way. So it's more of a philosophy shift than anything. Nobody really knew what to expect, leadership included. We We were all in this together in the sense that we were learning as we were going. I was in a season of losing what I knew. I was no longer an executor, but now I was transitioning into being a people manager. People were leaving the team because of this uncertainty. Some weren't willing to kind of power through and figure out what was going on. Additionally, Calm had lost its voice as things that we were used to leading were being pulled from us. Now, this wasn't a punitive measure by any stretch. This was, hey, this is now how we are approaching ministry. Things need to change. And on paper, honestly, all of it made a lot of sense. 
the issue was it was really hard to lose some of those things. Because there was so much fluidity, I really began uh, trying to understand what my role was in the organization, both personally and also functionally. I was really struggling to understand the role that comm should be playing. And frankly, nobody knew how to answer my questions. Everybody was learning, like I had said, we're, we're all learning as we're going. And so when you ask somebody, hey, what does this mean? I, I don't know. We're all learning too. So we don't know. Eventually, I began seeing what I believed to be the problems or some of the problems, and I began pointing them out to people. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest struggle that I ran into, though, was they didn't even necessarily think that those were problems. And so I would say, hey, I think this is an issue. And the response would be, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. I was beginning to see a pretty big disconnect between the the things in front of me or, or the things from my perspective and the things that everybody else were acknowledging. And ultimately, this is this is the point where I believed I started walking into burnout. I always describe burnout as essentially like you're walking into a cloud or a fog or even even a sandstorm. What happens is you just lose visibility. Sometimes you're really good at peripheral vision. Sometimes you're really good at self-awareness. Sometimes you're really good at seeing what's actually true and what's not. But then there are other times where that's a real struggle. And these are those times. Burnout really does put you in a space where it's hard to assess what is actually there. I began really thinking that I couldn't get a job anywhere doing comm, let alone in the role that I was in. I felt like I was doing a disservice to the organization by being there. I felt like I couldn't contribute in any meaningful way. So I started looking for other jobs I started complaining to my peers and really just rehashing things that were unnecessary to talk through and problems that weren't ours to solve. And unknowingly, I began essentially running into burnout. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. But now as I look back, it's becoming more and more clear that that was, that was the trajectory that I was on and I was just fueling the flames. Um, eventually, I found a job at a, what looked like a really good church back east. I accepted the role. It was a communications role. So in some senses, that was an encouragement, but really it felt like a cross grade. And then I announced my departure and <laughs> entered what was probably the most emotional season that I've ever had as a part of a church. Uh, I love my church and I didn't really want to leave. Uh, my wife and I had prayed for, honestly, for years to be able to stay where we were. And it felt like the answer was just no. So we we began the process of Moving on, and we're hopeful that I could I could be of benefit to a new church in a new context with some either the, some of the same challenges or new challenges because I felt like I could have helped where I was I just wasn't allowed to or wasn't being asked to and so that really contributed toward this to this negative perception that I was beginning to cultivate of myself and also of my ability to contribute to the organization. An interesting twist to an extent that. As I got close to the end of my time there, I was able to let go of problems in a way that I couldn't before. And so, I mean, frankly, they weren't my problems anymore. I was leaving. And so it didn't matter how big of an issue I thought it was. It just, I knew it wasn't mine to solve. In the back of my head, however, there was this concern that was looming. I'd been at the church for almost a decade, which is definitely longer than most 10 years. But I also knew that deep down, I was leaving for very similar reasons as to why I left the church that I left before. And so I can I can spin all of this and tell you, well, my, it was my first job out of college. 
We wanted to be in a different area. There's all sorts of legitimate reasons, but I knew deep down that I hadn't really addressed some of those core issues effectively. And here they were again. So we've at long last reached my last day of work. And again, it was extremely emotional, uh, but we were confident that we were moving in the direction that God wanted us to go, or rather, I should say, we were confident that this was part of God's plan for us. The first day without work was really, really bizarre. People weren't texting me at all hours with calm problems. I wasn't part of any solutions, which frankly felt relieving. Day two felt relatively busy with the logistics of moving, but nothing out of the ordinary. On day three, my wife turned to me and she said, welcome back. We've missed you. What, what are you talking about? I've, I've been here you know, this whole time. She said that in essence, over the last couple of years, I had become a shell of myself because of all the, the stress and the frustration. I had this unexpected explosion of creativity. I started drawing a bunch of things. I started writing down new ideas. I started coming up with sermon idea, or sermon graphics or all of these different things that were battles for me. And so it really felt like, oh man, this was what an incredible, like good, right decision that we've made, like restoration and healing is happening. And so a few days after my last day of work, it was time for us to get in the car and begin our trek back east. As we approached our drive, my wife started having a panic attack. Uh, and this wasn't, this wasn't kind of your run-of-the-mill panic attack. This wasn't something that any of the tools that we had been equipped with helped us through. Nothing. I mean, medicine, nothing at all was even budging the, the panic that she was struggling with. I remember sitting with her on an air mattress and me on the floor and asking her, what in the world do we need to do to, to help? At this point, I didn't really have any objectives other than how do we help? And so I said, what, okay, what if I'm, I'm one who entertains all ideas. So just for the record, that is the caveat for the next statement. So what if we stay? All of a sudden, the panic attack stopped. And I said, okay, that's encouraging. So what about, what if we cut our first days of driving in half? Panic attack returned. At that point, I said, look, I think it's, I think I need to figure out a way to stay. And of course we had a conversation and we prayed about it and we really tried to assess, you know, are we disobeying what God has called us to? Are we, are we doing something wrong? And I remember having a phone call just with a good, a really good friend of mine. And it was such an encouragement to hear reason in the midst of high emotion. And so essentially what we were present with presented with was, was this, I, I had to think through all of the different options that were ahead of me and they all had, they all had their own impacts. They all had their own consequences to use that language. And so at the end of the day, I decided that going back to my old job would be the wisest course of action. Here's, here's what that meant. It meant that we needed to sell the house that we had already purchased back East. Yeah, we already bought a house. So that was fun. We needed to call my future employer and tell them months after we had accepted the job that now I was not coming. So in essence, quitting a job that I hadn't started asking for my job back with my previous employer walking through the doors after a fairly uncommon experience, knowing that people would be incredibly curious, but probably too int intimidated to ask about what happened. We needed to tell our parents 
some of them had made commitments of their own. We'd obviously gone through the emotion of a move with them. And so now to, to change course was quite a shock for them. And we needed to call the movers and ask them to deliver our stuff back to our house. Fortunately, they hadn't begin, begun driving back east yet, but still, it was expensive and I caught them just in time. And there were so many other things. It wasn't just this short list, but the, the whole thing basically came down to this for me. Scripture hasn't called me to a specific church, but Scripture has called me to love my wife. And so in the midst of all of this, I'm trying to make a decision that is honoring to God, that's, that's obedient to Scripture, and is also loving my wife. And this is where the fun phone calls came in. And I, I share these intentionally because I, I want you to understand the scope of, of the next part of the story. In one conversation, I was told that sometimes there are hurdles in life that we can go around, and sometimes there are hurdles that simply won't budge. All you can do in life is trust that God will move the ones he once moved. Super encouraging. In another conversation, I was told, God doesn't work like this. Mm, okay, great. In another conversation, I was told that I needed to go figure out how I misheard God's call so significantly. Okay, great. There were calls that ranged the gamut, and some of them stung. Some of them felt like I was talking to Job's friends, and others were great encouragement. And it all really leads to this, the return. This I'm recording this almost two years to the day of what I deemed to be the fake quit, which was my last day, the first time. <laughs> Over these last two years, I've learned a lot about how God has actually used this situation in what I would say are unimaginable ways. I wanted to share these with you in this episode because I hope that they can be an encouragement. What I didn't realize at the time was how close I was to burnout. Coming back to the same job, only three weeks removed, I was able to see things in a way that I couldn't have before because none of the variables changed. I'm back in the same spot. I'm in the same office. I have the same team. I have the same almost everything. And now I began, for the first time ever, being able to fully understand what was really going on. And I, I think that's really important for you to hear if you're in the midst of burnout. So if that's where you are, if you're listening to this and are burning out, you may not be able to see these things either. I hope it helps. If not my story, perhaps the next two episodes will be an encouragement. But before we get there, here's what I have seen God do since the fake quit. The same, the same problems have existed and continue to exist, but I am now able to handle them better than I was before. The things that drove me to search for another job, they don't even phase me anymore. Most of the problems that were weighing me down weren't actually my problems to deal with. Someone else has been hired to deal with them. So now I let them. That's a huge shift for me. Leadership actually does care about me. Them allowing me to return to my old job, even after leaving, was probably the most humbling experience I've ever been through in my life. The care and compassion that they showed me and my family was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so now all of a sudden, my petty frustrations that prevented me from seeing that 
are gone because I know that they care about me. I didn't think I could grow where I was when I was in the process of leaving. But now I'm actually watching myself grow. A major contributor to my desire to leave was wanting to be developed. I had a desire to lead in a way that I never thought that my role would allow me to grow. Coming back, though, my perspective is different. I'm I'm viewing every opportunity that comes my way as an opportunity to prepare me to lead as an executive pastor. See, I was content to say a cross grade was a right answer. It got me out of my context. But that's not actually what I believe God is moving me toward. It's something bigger. During one of the interviews back east, one of the pastors that I was meeting with was interviewing me and he said, you know, you're, you're a calm guy on paper, but in conversation, you're an executive pastor. If you don't end up here in this role, you should, I mean, you should probably consider pursuing that. It was shocking to me because I'm in this season of doubting in the midst of burnout that I could, I couldn't contribute anything in any meaningful way. And that, that comment in that conversation, it still encourages me today, which is remarkable. I've also had conversations with the senior pastor at my current church. And I said, he made an interesting comment. He said, perhaps part of the reason that God had you stay is because he has more for you than another role in calm. Okay. Whoa. This is like, this is mind blowing stuff for me. I didn't believe that God could be leading me toward a bigger role because I was burning out in a lot of ways. I had throttled my capacity and what I was capable of because I couldn't even see God's God's hand working. Burnout told me that I couldn't heal in place. This is probably the most profound truth that I've heard as I've been reflecting on this journey and having conversations. I was recently introduced to an executive pastor at a nearby church, and he has been so kind and gracious to spend time with me, letting me pick his brain about what an executive pastor role looks like. As I shared the story of the fake quit, he said two things. First, he believed that everything went as God planned. That was, I mean, dang. Now, obviously, how much of that can we confirm? There's no you know, scripture that's written that says these are the things that are, that are going to happen. Although they happened, and so I guess you know, they did go the way that he planned. But he also said he observed that God was showing me that I could heal in place. I think I, I think I would believe that if you ask me that, like I'd answer that question on a test, but I don't think I knew how to actually behave that. And I think we often approach leaving as the only way to recover from the hardships that we find ourselves in. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it is, it's a very real way to heal, but I think I had begun believing that, that it was the only way to heal. And that was the huge conviction for me. And he also went on and this was the part that was really profound He said, look, if you want to be an executive pastor at some point, you're not going to have the luxury of leaving whenever you feel like you need to leave or leaving when you feel like you need to heal. Oh, man. So is God, through this circumstance, through this fake quit, is he developing me specifically for the role that I'm aspiring toward? I don't know, but man, it sure looks like it. There's been so much more that God has been leading me through over the last two years, but these are the things that I wanted to share because as we are beginning this series on burnout, man, it's just really important that you hear that there's hope. You may not believe it today. Like you may be listening right now and just, I hear the words that you're saying, I don't believe it, but God is powerful enough to work in your situation. I think I 
could understand that in my head, but I couldn't couldn't behave that. Just mull on that. The bottom line for this episode, I just want to read some scripture. Isaiah 55, 7, 11, 7 through 11. Let, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it may yield seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. What I went through doesn't make any sense. It was humbling. It was expensive. It was bizarre. It was awkward. It was emotional. It was stressful and it was confusing. Yet these last two years have been more growth filled than any other season in my professional career. Praise God for his goodness to us. That is all we have for this episode. My hope is that my story of going through burnout and then the weird unmove and fake quit and and really even outside of the drama, the evidence of God's hand at work through circumstances that don't make sense. My hope is that that's in some ways encouraging for you to help you weather a storm And really even less of that, help you gain some perspective of what God can do in the midst of where you're at. If you know somebody who's dealing with burnout in particular, I am really anticipating that this series of of episodes is going to be helpful for people because I know for me, I searched endlessly about burnout, how to identify it and how to combat it. And so consider sharing this with somebody that you think might benefit from it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.